0: now, beloved saints, as the Lord matures
1: us, we begin to realize the need for His mercy and the fact that we're fully dependent upon it and that it was shown to us even from the foundation of the earth where Christ was slain in the mind of the Father from the foundation of the earth, of the works. And I love Micah 6, 8. It says, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk. Walk humbly with thy God. Let me read it again, 6, 8. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. This is the Lord posing a question to the prophet Micah. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Now, at that, I wanted to talk about something I've observed over the years, being in ministry. Through the years in dealing with Christian people, so many of them, I have observed that many of those who seem to be on fire for the Lord, those that in particular seem or appear to love the truth, many of them are sadly, extremely merciless, very arrogant, self-willed. That is, they believe they're going to overcome the sins of the flesh and please God by their own person determination. And that's it. Instead of relying on Christ and the cross daily, which is what Jesus taught. Many of them are self-righteous, very judgmental. Therefore, they're very judgmental. And, you know, this kind of person comes and goes because grace and law cannot mix. Jesus tells us that the sin of religious self-righteousness is worse in the eyes of God than being a harlot. Matthew 21, 31. If there's one people that Jesus... Jesus severely rebuked, it would be the religious, self-righteous religionists, And these people I'm talking about who come and go, who seem to love the truth, unfortunately fit that mold, at least to some degree. And that is a very, very dangerous thing because Jesus said that this religious self-righteousness, anyone possessed by it will be in hell. Matthew 21, 31, he said, the harlots will go into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God before they will. If that doesn't directly and point identify the divine hatred towards religious self-righteousness, I don't know what does. Now, the type of person I'm talking about is a person that when they hear the truth that a ministry is putting out, They they migrate to that ministry, and they go from ministry to ministry, and that's because they can't find perfection. The problem is they're looking for perfection in human beings and are blind to the fact that they themselves are from being perfect. They're far from being obedient to the Lord. They believe that somehow because they have this love for the truth that that's all it needs to be, but they don't love the full counsel of God. Many of them claim to, and they love, you know, dissecting and exposing false teachers, and blatant false doctrines and stuff like that. But like the Ephesians in Revelation 2, 1 through 5, Jesus addresses, he said they could discern the false apostles, and yet they had left their first love. And that's what happens with a lot of people, unfortunately, from my observation. Now, you weigh this out yourself, but they don't walk in love. They don't walk humbly with their God. They don't love mercy because they don't really realize they need it. They're in blindness, and their self-righteousness is a sin, and it has blinded. Them from their own utter need for the mercy of God. Inevitably, these people find weaknesses in others or struggles or, you know, ministry people that have answered the call of God to do ministry and are fighting the good fight of faith. And there is a great battle going on, folks, especially with those who dare to step out to feed the flock of God and try to do it with the pure, full counsel of the word of God. People that have never been there have no idea what comes against them. And on top of that, they're not funded. And so, It's just absolutely beyond words difficult. And yet these self-righteous folks come and go because they don't understand the battle. In most cases, they're immature and have never ever been put in a place where they had to be in full time on a post as a watchman, a disciple, a under shepherd of the Lord, feeding the flock of God. They don't know that level of battle, but yet they're so quick to judge others and judge people that they've never been in the shoes. Now, I'm not talking about them finding blatant heresy either. I'm talking about them objecting To non essentials in in a lot of cases, things that aren't essential to salvation, they've never learned to mature in their thinking through acknowledging the whole counsel of God, including mercy and love and grace, and are quite frankly self centered, completely self centered, somehow believing that everyone needs to conform to their shallow convictions and things that are not essential to salvation, and that they have no conclusive biblical evidence that somebody's violating. But yet, These people have an evil eye, many of them, which is just something Jesus used. An evil eye does not walk in the love of God. It can't. They're mutually exclusive. An evil eye is a person who's looking for evil in others. The Bible tells us that love overlooks a multitude of sins. It's not easily offended. It covers the transgressions of others, when especially when it's in relationship with God and with that person to help them overcome. But these people are not possessed with the love of God. They're completely self-willed and yet beat the drum with great force that they love the truth, but yet they're very selective in what truth they are gonna personally incorporate and espouse into their lives. When the Lord gave us the truth in his word for us to observe all of it, to be ye doers of the word, not here is only deceiving your own selves. And that would include what we just read in Micah 6, 8. We're to love mercy and walk humbly with thy God. Love mercy. Why? Because we need it so bad. You need it so bad, friend, and so do I. We need divine mercy, not just at the point he saved us. Now, I'm going to share James 2, 13, which says that he shall have judgment without mercy that hath shown no mercy. Divine judgment is coming upon anyone who shows no mercy, no mercy. Let me refer to a passage. I didn't plan on doing this, but I want to refer to a passage to show you how Paul dealt with sin in the Corinthian church. In Second Corinthians chapter 12, he says here in verse 20 and 21, the last two verses of that chapter, for I fear, this is 2 Corinthians 12, 20 and 21, for I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would and that I shall be found unto you such as you would not. In other words, I don't want to come and find you doing anything that's not pleasing to God because the way I'm going to come down on that is not going to please you. And then he says, lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, stripes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, being puffed up, it sounds like tumults, unless when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. Now, I want to point something real simple out here, and that's that Paul completely dismissed in his mind from divine judgment anybody who repented. He's only going to have to bewail the many which have sinned already and have not repented. That's the key. They have not repented. Once a person repents, all their sins are absolutely washed away in the blood of the Lamb Jesus. They have contacted Christ, repented, turned back to Him, confessed their sins, and the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, verse 7 through 9 tells us, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sins. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I might point out verse 8, which is sandwiched between verse 7 and 9, which says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, I believe God is getting at there. You know, those who claim to have no sin, to be sinless and have no need to repent and confess anything. That's pretty ridiculous, folks. But this is what I'm talking about, where people can become so intoxicated with self-love. And then the way they cloak that is a love for the truth. that appears to have a love for the truth, but yet they don't really love the whole counsel of the truth of the Word of God. And it shows up in their personal life where they have a critical eye and they're merciless in their attitudes toward other people and begin seeking to control them, which is witchcraft and to speak against them and to beat the men servants of the Lord into Matthew 24, to abuse them. Listen, when you don't know how to deal with somebody, just pray for them and the Lord will quicken you if they've got something wrong. But it may be that you have something wrong. It may be that I have something wrong. It may be that we're preoccupied with the faults of others when really we're the ones that need to change. Now, Paul speaks of this phenomenon in Romans chapter two, verse one through three, when he says, therefore, thou art inexcusable old man, whosoever thou art that judgest another, that judges. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same thing. See, folks that are overtly preoccupied with others and judge them, they actually do the same things that they're judging the other people for. This is a phenomenon of the unrepentant, uncrucified old man, and it's very ugly, and it will cause people to bite and devour one another. Folks, we've got to ask God to fill us with his love and every dimension of it and conform us to the image of Christ. Verse 2 here of Romans chapter 2, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things and thinkest thou that. In other words, we understand that these sins that he listed here in the first chapter of Romans, is a whole list of God is going to judge them. But then he turns back to the self-righteous and he says, and thinkest thou this, O man, that judges them which do such things and doest the same? that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? See, you're throwing rocks at and judging them, but yet you've got sin in your own life. Verse 4, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Boy, that just fits this whole message right here. And then he says, but after thy, and he's talking to the self-righteous who would condemn those who live in homosexuality, fornication, adultery, uh, envy, strife, murders, all of these sins that are listed and more in the first chapter here and throughout the New Testament. He's condemning those who would condemn them and yet forget their own need utter necessity for the mercy of God. But after, verse 5, thy hardness, your own hardness, unrepentant heart, treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man, not just the ones we're judging, but to us, according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, and to them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness righteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respecter of persons with God. So Paul here is condemning those who condemn the wicked while they have sinned in their own life. Let me refer here to a scripture that I mentioned earlier. It's going to be First John chapter 4 as we close here, beloved. Beloved, he says in verse 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another for lovers of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Now that is actually what I wanted to mention, but there's also a, it's pretty easy to remember. First Peter 4, 7 and 8 along with First John 4, 7 and 8. Now let's go to First Peter 4, 7 and 8. But the end of all things is at hand. Hey, Peter writes, be therefore sober and watch unto prayer and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves. Have fervent charity among yourselves, saints. Have fervent charity among Yourselves. Watch this. For charity, if you're truly walking in God's love, and that only comes through an abiding relationship with Christ, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Charity doesn't evil eye people or nitpick them or have this critical eye looking for other people being preoccupied with the faults of others. No, charity covers the multitude of sins. Quite the opposite. God bless you, friend. Thank you for listening and may the Lord mature his body to the fullness of Christ. I want you to read two chapters in particular on the body of Christ. And let me give you three chapters to write down. First of all, 1 Corinthians 12, the body of Christ, and Ephesians 4 the body of Christ. Also, Romans 14 and 15 speak of not judging others for things that are not essential to salvation and also not offending others that would be offended by what you do as having the personal liberty that God has given you in non-essentials. So that's 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and Romans 14 and 15. God bless you and thank
0: you for listening. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on SafeguardYourSoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site and you can use your debit card, PayPal or Patreon and you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.